0: teach me to dance, will you? Dance? Did you say dance? Greece? No. Is it the French Riviera? No. What is
1: Ukraine now? Ukraine is a frontier where new things are happening. Few Americans know little, if anything, about Yugoslavia. One reason is because not many people know where to find it. Is it Turkey?
0: Switzerland, Rome. I'm Alexander Brezar, and this is Calling. First, it was the Panama Papers, then, the Paradise Ones. In 2021, the biggest story involving worldwide financial crime comes in the form of the Pandora Papers. Earlier in October, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists began releasing information gathered from the largest leak of financial documents ever. It exposed the secret offshore accounts of hundreds of current and former world leaders, billionaires, and assorted celebrities. A whopping 11.9 million documents examined by more than 600 journalists from around the world are proof of unprecedented financial secrecy. The list of those who kept their money outside of the country they earned it in Includes former British Prime Minister Tony Blair, Montenegrin President Milo Djukanovic, family members of former Argentine President Mauricio Macri, Czech Prime Minister Andrei Babiš, and the Prime Minister of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky, among others. In this episode, we called Aubrey Belford, an investigative journalist and editor with the OCCRP, who worked on unpacking the Pandora Papers leak. And now we're calling on Aubrey Belford from OCCRP, who happens to be in Sydney, of all places, the podcast being about everything that is east of something. Welcome to the show, Aubrey, and tell us about what is Sydney east of? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. That's not very helpful. Yeah,
1: no, we've got New Zealand and then um, some Pacific Island countries, and then we've got the International Dateline, and then it all just resets from there as far as i'm concerned
0: so you are almost as far east as you can possibly be pretty fitting i'd say
1: yeah i mean i hear if you keep going you just Mm. end up back where you started but, you hit a wall. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of... It's a debatable topic. <laughs> You fall off the edge of, of the earth. Me, yeah.
0: You're here for a reason. And uh, the reason is the Pandora Papers. You've worked together with the rest of the team on, on, on this latest uh, big leak. So first things first, what's the difference between the Pandora Papers and the Panama Papers? And why weren't the super rich deterred after the Panama Papers and the Paradise Papers? Will we one day have the Parakeet Papers?
1: I mean... We're going to eventually run out of words starting with the letter P. So, I mean, basically, the the difference is the Panama Papers was a leak back in twenty sixteen from Panamanian law firm Mossack Fonseca, and it was a very very large leak and exposed, you know, a lot of the offshore practices of you know a whole bunch cast of characters from across the world, and it was it was a very big big scandal and it had consequences. You know, all over the world, you had a government falling in Iceland. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mossack Fonseca themselves got into a lot of trouble, but it was just one service provider. What we like to call these offshore service providers. So they're accountants and and lawyers. You know, these companies that basically their expertise is putting together complex structures of companies and and trusts and you know various vehicles around the world in places where. You know, there is where it's easy to set up companies and where there's uh, secrecy and where there's Mm -hmm. low or or no taxes. So the Pandora Papers is the third in this series of of big projects from leaks put together by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. Mm -hmm. So the first was the Panama Papers. Then it was the Paradise Papers, which was um, from two of these service providers. And now the Pandora Papers is uh, from 14 of these service providers. So we're talking about companies based out of, um, you know, have got a law firm out of Panama. There's another firm called Asia City, which is run by an Australian guy based out of Singapore, but they're in offices in places like Samoa and the Cook Islands. Right. You know, you've got in, out in there other firms. You've got a some Cyprus uh, law firm. You've got another company with operations in the BVI, sorry, the British Virgin Islands. So, I mean, it's a real um, kind of spread. Uh, of, of these service providers.
0: So a lot of exotic, exciting locations, one could say. Just for the sake of our listeners, like why are these places so interesting?
1: So, I mean, the reason why these places are interesting is because, you know, you can... <laughs> well, I mean, these places, they don't really exist. You know, it's not like these companies have offices in these places. Mm-hmm. You know, when you set up a shell company somewhere, it's just... You know, it's, it's just something on a, on a piece of paper. You know, if you look at the buildings that house thousands of companies, there'll be very unremarkable buildings in, in towns where you can have, you know, chickens running around on the street in front. The idea of it is just that you're able to hide ownership through um, layers of different shell companies and put them in places where you have this kind of golden combination of secrecy of low or no taxes and also of um, a law, uh, legal systems where property rights are protected, Mm
0: -hmm. you know?
1: So you're able to go in there and and defend your property if need be, but you can keep your ownership in it hidden behind however many layers of secrecy um, that you want and that you can afford to get someone to set up for you.
0: Right. Just in theory, let's say you and I had, I don't know, couple of million euros for for example first of all like why would we want to do this
1: okay so say i mean you're in belgrade right so let's just assume that um you managed to get a whole bunch of money through a criminal or corrupt scheme you know um okay your best way of hiding that is moving it out of the country there's only so much money you can stuff under your mattress so the best way to do that is, is move it out of the country. But you need to do it in a way that people don't find out mm-hmm. and that if someone comes after you for it, they, they can't find it. So that's why you, you you do this. So, you know, you you um, there are a lot of accountants and lawyers based everywhere, including in the countries where this money flows out from, including, you know, oh, yeah. the Eastern Europe, Central Asia, the Caucasus, I mean, everywhere on the globe. Um, and you have local uh, experts there that will do it and then you'll have these big firms that will you know help kind of put together the structure needed to to hide uh you know your ill-gotten money that's not the only thing this system exists for and it's not actually the primary thing this system exists for you know offshore is really about i mean if you take those three things which is low or no taxes secrecy and um, legal uh, certainty those are the things that corporations want and if you look at any major global corporation they structure their affairs in a very similar ways Mm -hmm. you know google or apple or nike or whoever you know they will have structures that involve companies in the netherlands and ireland and other places with um uh, minimal taxes you know they'll Mm -hmm. have arrangements where the intellectual property Will be owned by some shell, you know, in another jurisdiction, you know, and so that the actual kind of what you'd think of as being the the head office or the the, the main part of the operation is really on paper not very much, mm-hmm. you know. So you have all these sort of arrangements, um, but these are also good arrangements if you're if you're a crook or a, or a kleptocrat, right? You know, it's it's it all works that way, and and the reason why it's such a hard system to get rid of is that. You know, I mean, okay, so organized crime and kleptocrats and dictators unfortunately have a lot of influence in the world, but the real reason why this system is able to, you know, stay in in place is also because, you know, big corporate interests also benefit from having Mm -hmm. secrecy jurisdictions and things like that. The other thing is that, you know, offshore isn't just these uh, tropical islands, you know, in the... um, you know, in the Caribbean or Mm -hmm. whatever. It's not just Cyprus, but it's also, you know, big cities. Um, It's Dubai and Singapore and also London and New York and also Delaware and Nevada and South Dakota. Mm. Uh, You know, it's an entire patchwork of these things. And some of these jurisdictions kind of are associated in the public consciousness with, you know, drug traffickers and criminals and kleptocrats and, you know, that they, they do right. like these places, but it is, it's much broader than that.
0: Right, I understand. So there's a little to no chance that in case I'm just a good old honest citizen who happened to have come across a, a, a lot of money, you know, I, I would be using one of these. I
1: mean, there are, there is an argument that in some places, you know, even if you're an honest businessman, that you would need to use them. So, so say you're operating in a country where, you have a fairly um, corrupt system and mm-hmm. someone could come one day and raid your company and, you know, take over the stamps or whatever and, you know, documents and things and all of a sudden they own your company. You know, right. that that can happen in some places. Right. Or, you know, you, uh, you, know, you cut off the president's favorite grandson in traffic mm-hmm. and as a result, mm-hmm. you know, he decides to ruin you or something. So there are reasons why people will also base their operations offshore because there isn't that legal certainty or protection where they're from. There's another argument that gets made, you know, in places where kidnapping is a big problem that, you know, if your assets are hidden offshore, then kidnappers don't know to target you and things like that. And so, you know, I mean, I think there is something to be said for some of that, but I think on balance, most of the system, I mean, it's not for you regular people. I mean, regular Mm -hmm. people don't have enough money to ever do this and it's become pretty clear that the drawbacks of the system really outweigh uh, the benefits for that small number of people where where there are legitimate purposes another thing that gets used for uh, which is pretty funny is by the ultra rich just in uh, divorces you know they keep oh. their um they keep their assets hidden through trusts and things so when they they finally uh, get divorced you know <laughs> They, they they don't have to give up the yacht or whatever
0: right it's a convenient way of not having to sign any kind of a prenup or something like that too or in case you botched it then you can yeah, show sure, these of guys these services.
1: They, they do prenups as well but. <laughs> i'm starting
0: to i'm starting to feel that this episode is turning into a, you know some kind of an advice column on how to how to do this instead of just explaining it so let, let me get us back on track <laughs> with the actual pandora papers and your involvement in it can you take us through a case you worked on that was particularly challenging or even absurd because i think people often get lost in these big investigations and it really helps to illustrate it with a case study
1: so you know that's an interesting one i came in reasonably late actually on the project the project ran for about two years um and it's really the the icij that does a lot of the heavy lifting uh and early on and then you know they share the data with Mm-hmm. journalists that are in the project and then they go through it and they sort of develop leads so the one i was most closely involved with was um the story on the ukrainian president volodymyr zelensky right which was, was quite an interesting one because you know he came to power and i'm sure i mean you know and i'm sure a lot of your listeners know that you know before he became president he was uh famous in ukraine for playing the president right. on tv right. and his character in the tv show Uh, Golobrodka was the name of the guy. He was a um, high school history teacher who gets into a sort of obscene rant with one of his colleagues and one of his students secretly films it, uploads it, goes viral. And, you know, he's ranting about, basically about the corrupt elite in Ukraine. And because of this rant, it, it goes viral and then he wakes up one day and finds out that he's been elected president of the country. So, you know, he's this average simple, honest guy who Mm -hmm. becomes president. Uh, And because of this public image, you know, Zelensky actually did get elected president and actually got elected with even more of the vote than the fictional um, Golubovka got. He ended up getting 73%. So he absolutely uh, smashed the incumbent, Petro Poroshenko, and really criticized Poroshenko for enriching himself. You know, Poroshenko is a, uh, you know, he's an oligarch. Is um, very famous for owning the biggest uh, chocolate and candy yeah. uh, producer in the country. You know Poroshenko sort of tried to hit back and saying, "Well, you know Zelensky, you know you're actually associated with this other oligarch, uh, Igor Kolomoysky, who's quite mm-hmm. notorious, who's alleged to have stolen over five billion dollars from the bank that he used to own." And you know on stage, um, Poroshenko even accused him of receiving money stolen from the bank through offshores. Uh, and Zelensky completely brushed this off. And, you know, he was elected sort of based on this image of being this, you know, simple guy and whatever and, and this kind of attempt to say, no, 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 you're just like everyone else. You know, you're you're also dealing offshores and, you know, mm-hmm. shady business like that. It just didn't touch him. But what we found in the in the Pandora papers is that, yes, actually him and all of his buddies in the comedy business, were involved in Offshores since the, about the time that they signed their big distribution deal with this oligarch, Igor Kolomoisky. And what Zelensky did when it came to power, which is quite bizarre when you think about it, is he came into power with his comedy troupe. You know, These were all guys mm-hmm. that grew up in the same kind of fairly bleak town in eastern Ukraine. You know, and they started making comedy, doing all this sort of stand-up sketch comedy and producing films and videos and stuff. As Zelensky gets elected president. And so one of the guys from his um, comedy troupe becomes his chief assistant. And another one, who was like the lawyer for the comedy troupe, he's now head of the secret police. Uh, And what we found in the Pandora Papers is all these guys, all these boys from, you know... The same kind of pretty run-down, scrabble part of the country.
0: Kriveri, yeah.
1: Yeah, Krivirich. They had offshores together. <laughs> and, you know, some of these offshores bought London property. And that Zelensky, before, just before uh, winning the election, when it was pretty clear he was going to win, he transferred away his share in the sort of holding company in the offshores to mm. his, the guy who became his chief assistant. So he's chefier, and then after he was elected, we saw another document was filed that allowed him or his other offshore to keep receiving dividends, you know, through this sort of mm-hmm. mysterious offshore structure without ever declaring it. So, you know, he came in, and never there's never been any mention that he owns this, you know, that mm. he had this interest there.
0: Interesting, and,
1: yes, and this other guy who's his chief assistant. You know, he says, "Well, he doesn't have to file an asset declaration because he's just volunteering in the job." So they've all kept it very <laughs> hidden. Um, wow! And so, you know, it's been it's been a pretty big revelation uh, in Ukraine. I mean, interesting to see what happens next.
0: Mm. What are the reactions? What have been the reactions now that you mentioned them?
1: Uh, there's been some pretty. Uh, I mean, to the project overall in in Ukraine, uh, Zelensky. I mean, as of now, he's stayed quiet about this. We could never get any comment out of him
0: mm-hmm. or
1: his, his circle. So, I mean, it's generated a lot of public interest. The The video that our partners put together there has had like more than one and a half million views. In other countries, I mean, we've just had uh, Andrei Babiš in uh, Czechia. He just lost power. Um, and polling has come out that showed that the Pandora Papers caused... Um, eight percent of his voters to to stop voting for him
0: Mm, wow that's a significant number yeah
1: i mean it's surprising actually that it was such a big effect but you know he lost power uh because of it you're probably more across all of the other stuff than me that's been happening since you know there's been there's been reactions all over the place there is a move in the united states now to bring in Uh, I mean, it was actually happening before, but it's been given extra impetus from the Pandora Papers. Mm -hmm. It's uh, called the Enablers Act, I believe, which is uh, basically bringing in uh, disclosure requirements for all of the different industries in the United States, like real estate agents, uh, accountants, lawyers, things like that, to actually ask the question, you know, who's behind this? Where does the money come from? Right. Uh, so that you know it's it's given impetus to that and and if a law like that passes in the United States then that's really quite a game changer
0: yeah but it's also attracted the attention of some conspiracy theorists I mean you and I were also bantering about this on Twitter yeah. there were also allegations that the whole project's been funded by the CIA oh, yeah which is well, I
1: think I think I think interesting the, 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 the the allegation least. is that like that you know that these 14 service providers were hacked by the CIA. There's no evidence of that. I mean, right. I don't know who the source is. You know, it is, I think, I think you can say that to um, get data from 14 different service providers, that's a pretty big task. And so I don't think anyone should rule out a state actor being behind it, but like no one, no one actually, I mean, no one, no one knows. I have no idea who the source is. But I can tell you that the data was shared like in its entirety by ICIJ with all the partners so Mm -hmm. there was was no effort to go through and like screen people out it's kind of actually a a reasonable assumption to make that if you have this big leak of you know showing tax avoidance and you know other sort of offshore chicanery Mm -hmm. that you would see a lot of Americans in there and yet in this data set you don't see you know U.S. politicians and things like that but the reason for that is that these are offshore service providers that are based you know in in other countries and the kind of really uncomfortable fact which is not a good look for the united states at all is that if you're an american and you want to avoid tax or hide your wealth you don't need to set foot outside of the country there are enough options in the united states and enough service providers that do that so you know i mean we would start seeing a lot of american names if we started seeing more leaks from uh, U.S. based providers and from, you know, from some really big names as well, um, mm-hmm. you know, big name accounting firms and law firms. Now, I don't know why their stuff hasn't leaked yet. Maybe no one's tried. Maybe they just have better security. Um, right. Maybe it's already happened and someone's going to, you know, completely drop a bomb on them sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. But. Um, that's, that's just the way it works. I mean, you know, the fact that you don't see Americans is actually just because America is one of the worst and dirtiest uh, secrecy <laughs> jurisdictions on earth, which was a revelation of the Pandora Papers. You know, we found that mm-hmm. there was a lot of people setting up trusts in, in South Dakota, um, which of all places. Yeah, of all places. but actually, I mean, South Dakota, you can get away with things in, in South Dakota that you can basically nowhere else in the world. Um, you know, you can set up a trust in South Dakota that is entirely secret, that pays zero tax, Mm. and that lasts for eternity. So, you know, the the deal with trusts is that, you know, typically a trust can only last like 80 or 100 years. With the idea being that, you know, if you let a family just pour money tax-free somewhere in perpetuity, Mm. then you would end up with just like a couple of people with basically all the world's wealth i mean imagine imagine putting something in at 6% compound interest for 500 years mm. you know it'd be monstrous so basically ever since the um, kind of the end of the medieval you know feudal system in mm-hmm. europe uh, trusts have been limited. But now in the United States, you have places saying, no, actually, you can just do this forever, never pay any tax, and no one ever has to know that this trust even exists. So that that's what what's happening. So we found a little bit of that, I mean, quite a lot of that in the Pandora Papers. But I think if you'd really wanted to crack this sort of issue in the United States, then you would actually need to have information Leaking out from U.S. based right.
0: providers, so you can confident um, you sorry. can confidently say that you know you didn't receive money from Barbara Streisand to you know look the yeah, other you way. Didn't
1: receive money from Barbara. Well, yeah. That, see, that, that was the other thing. It's like, I mean, it's 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 not inconceivable that a lot of leaks and things are the result of of hack and dump operations by intelligence agencies. We have seen lots of states doing that. You know, you've seen Gulf states doing that to each other. Russia did that, mm-hmm. you know, famously in the 2016 mm-hmm. election. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the United States also does that. But there, there's really no indication that, right. like, this one came. I mean, there's no indication of it coming from any particular state. Like, there's, no, it, there's nothing there that sort of screams, you know, this is the U.S. or this is Russia or right. whatever, because it, it, it doesn't make anyone look good. I mean, it, it's very embarrassing for a lot of close U.S. allies, you know, like uh, King Abdullah of, of Jordan or Ilham Ali of Azerbaijan. Yeah. You know, these are people that, you know, the U.S. national security state would not be wanting to create problems for. So I find that, uh, you know, just asking, like, who benefits uh, mm. doesn't, it which doesn't is, really which is the
0: best question you can possibly ask
1: Well, I mean, and it's the conspiracy's favorite favorite question as well You know, who benefits <laughs> It's and so, true And so, you know, I mean, there's that argument Well, because you don't have US politicians named in here You know, then, then uh, America benefits right. Or the other argument is that it's kind of like a bait and switch You know, it makes people think that the issue with um, tax avoidance and offshores Is something that only concerns, you know, to use that favorite term Like loser countries you know mm-hmm. um but it's 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 not you know it, it is and
0: or that those same countries get accused of doing these kinds of things
1: yeah i mean look every everyone's in on it and right. you know this is a offshore is a system that has grown up a uh, kind of as part of global, globalization you know us led globalization it is part and parcel of it so it is a little bit ridiculous to say that anything ab- You know that's exposing all the abuses that come with offshore somehow benefits the u.s i mean this is the world that the the u.s built and most of the sort of works tax havens are you know either the uk or british territories or or countries that are former british colonies Mm -hmm. um so you can't actually seriously look at this without directly uh, implicating the west you know um Mm -hmm. And no one who's writing about this or working on this, you know, avoids that. The worst enabling does come from, you know, Western capitals, you know, I mean, the money that Mm -hmm. gets stolen Mm -hmm. and siphoned abroad, you know, comes from the developing world, but, you know, the people that actually make the system happen. Uh, the people that the conspiracy theorists think are behind the leak. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it doesn't make much sense.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the role of journalists in all of this. What is it like for journalists from different parts of the world to work together on these big global investigations? I mean, how do they collaborate? How do you make sure everything is coherent would be Uh, one um, of the questions at least.
1: I mean, it's really hard.
0: Also, how do you not ruin your health from, from all the junk food you're going to eat over the course of you know, months or, or years while investigating this?
1: Yeah, I, I was in Sarajevo for those two weeks, so I was eating, like, burek every day. Um,
0: oh. So,
1: you know, I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I guess that's just the average Bosnian diet, but... You know, it, also it didn't make me feel too <laughs> Well, no, okay, no, that's not true because I, I have all the different kinds of pita, so I wasn't eating burek every day. And you know, I know, I know how Bosnians are about this, and so you can't just say all pita is burek, and I would, I would never claim that. Hmm. Um, so any of your, Bosnians yeah, it's a very, please, it's please a, please a very don't yell at me touchy
0: subject. No, no, yeah. no, please. I've, I've grown up. I've grown up, and I've decided not to um, ever call anyone out on this. So. I might well, not. I, I might not be representative of the, the entire country, but well, um, well you yeah. know, I got
1: I got I got taken out by my cousins in in Rijeka um, to eat pizza burek, um, and it's yeah, what did actually, you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so then, no, no, back to your question. Um, it's just it's hard, you know. I mean, at OCCRP, we're always working on collaborations, and you know, if you have a team of like. 10, 20, 30 people, then you can kind of all talk to each other and it can be a bit of a cacophony, mm-hmm. but, you know, you can. But when you, you, you're 600 people, it's really, really hard. And so you really have to be diligent just sharing what you have and going in and reading what other people are sharing. Uh, it's a very, very difficult job. I mean, you know, you always have a full-time job just keeping abreast of what everyone's doing. You know, ICIJ was very good in this because they really Mm did keep things well coordinated and, you know, they kind of, they have an eye on everything and the big picture and so they're sort of showing people as it goes along. But, you know, I mean, you do focus on your little corner of it and you only really get an idea of the big picture kind of towards the end. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of almost magical that it, it, ever works out at all because it doesn't, I mean, if you, if you have a look inside like a month before, it just doesn't seem like this is going to happen, but it does. And you know, it actually, it went off really smoothly, uh, this time around. So yeah, right. I don't know. It was good luck. I guess.
0: Just as a final question, cause I don't want to keep you for too long, given the time difference, you know, the whole nine hours and everything. You should probably go to bed at this point while I've just got up.
1: It's, on, it's only 8, 8 p.m. But anyway. Oh,
0: really? Sorry.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I thought it was later in the day. I don't know. My, also, my time, sense for time has been warped. But yeah, the, the essential thing here that many people miss is that this affects the lives of average people. It's not just about some random rich people that you'll never meet, right? So. It's your money, it's our money, it's your money that's being abused and hidden. How do we communicate this better?
1: I mean, that's a really, really tough one. I think, you know, people actually have a pretty good idea that their money's being stolen in in developing countries or countries with a large amount of corruption. I mean, you ask your average person, they'll be like, you know, politicians, they all steal. But I think, you know, actually... um, being able to trace it and show what they're doing with the money uh really kind of helps drive it home Mm -hmm. i don't think you know a lot of people are necessarily going to understand or want to or have the interest in learning about offshores or whatever so then it really comes down to just that that visceral connection to you know showing them what's gone missing Mm -hmm. i mean because the scale of it is is really huge i mean You know, the the estimate is just in in sub-Saharan Africa, you know, 200 billion goes offshore uh, every year, you know, gets stolen, goes offshore. That's more than the aid that goes in. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's massive. And, I mean, if you talk in terms of those big numbers, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think that really resonates for a lot of people. I think you really just need to catch people, you know. Yeah. Um, catch them in the act show show what they've stolen show what they've bought with that stolen money and so I don't know I mean I think we're just going to keep doing this and I think that the real result's going to come when you have legal changes you know when mm-hmm. you have um, measures brought in that ends this secrecy you mm-hmm. know that requires for the disclosure absolutely everywhere of who owns what and once people can't yeah hide you know what they own once they actually have to be honest and say you know this is actually what i have then the incentive to steal uh is just that much less you know i mean right now i think they they probably think that their chances are pretty good of never getting caught uh and they're right you know unfortunately.
0: And well when that day comes I guess we'll all have to switch to a different kind of journalism too so I don't know um, you can take you can have culture I'll go into sports.
1: Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean you know I'll just probably retire.
0: Right. That'd be cool. Thank you so much for being my guest Aubrey uh, always yeah, really a pleasure I really hope you'll enjoy your stay in Australia and uh, let's stay in touch and once again thanks for being a guest and calling.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I had fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: 15 milionů euro, říká vám si to Já chtěl že mi pan premiér, odpoví. mi povi. Co Vy tomu nerozumíte. Já jsem pryč. To Já bych pryč. ráda Co you just heard the editor at Investigace.cz, Hanna Chapova, trying to ask Czech Prime Minister Babiš about his offshore accounts. Babiš refuses to answer the question, and Chapova keeps being pushed away and intimidated by his bodyguards. I'm sorry, I'm asking a question, she says in the clip. A few days later, Babiš lost the national elections everyone predicted he would win. Voters sent a clear sign that they would not put up with his financial manipulations. While this episode was in production, several world leaders came under judicial scrutiny for their financial dealings. Ecuador's president Guillermo Lasso and Chilean president Sebastián Piñera are now under investigation in their respective home countries. Although these developments are promising, only a few individuals are likely to pay the price for their deeds. As exciting as these stories are, exposing the rich and powerful is a long and grueling process, and one that does not always lead to them serving time for their crimes. The most likely positive result of a crucial investigation like this one is these people being tried in the court of public opinion, just like Babish was. So let's remember to thank those among us who undergo risks to bring this reporting to us, as well as having to sift through masses of largely tedious paperwork to tell us just how corrupt those who lead us might be. My name is Alexander Brezar, and this was Calling. Teach me to dance, will you? Dance? Did you say dance? (laughs) Greece? No. Is it the French Riviera? No. What is Ukraine now? Ukraine is a frontier
1: where new things are happening.
0: Few Americans know little if anything about
1: Yugoslavia. One reason is because not many people know where to find it Is it Turkey Switzerland Rome
0: na ko sranje očigledno da misli a tako pričet, sranje, ne tako sranje ljubate na teško